On this episode of the Mothman of the Bible Belt podcast, West Virginia culture and tourism reign supreme. West Virginia Explorer Magazine Editor-in-Chief David Sabray dishes on West Virginia tourist attractions, culinary delights, and John Sales Mate One. Also discussed, Mothman, the Braxton County Monster, the Greenbrier Ghost, and Bigfoot sightings. It's West Virginia culture overload. Coming up next. <laughs> Welcome to the Mothman in the Bible Belt podcast with your host, Buck Fantastic. West Virginia is known for a lot of bad things, like drug abuse, poverty, strip mining, and puritanical backwards politicians. But what about the positive things like the mountain state's scenic beauty, whitewater rafting, hiking trails, deer hunting, trout fishing, caves, and haunted buildings? All the messed up people in politics can't outshine that. This episode of the Mothman and the Bible Belt podcast explores the more positive aspects of West Virginia. West Virginia Explorer Magazine Editor-in-Chief David Sabray is my guest. He chimes in on West Virginia's most popular tourist attractions, what distinguishes our cuisine from other states, and an encounter he had with a Sasquatch while driving from Mount Hope to Staniford. Beckley resident David Sabray has been a journalist for over 35 years. On the side, he does real estate and public relations. Somewhere in between, he has a life. 24 years ago, Sabray created the online travel guide, West Virginia Explorer Magazine. Join me, your host, Buck Fantastic, for another exciting episode of the Mothman in the Bible Belt podcast. It's eclectic chit-chat of otherworldly origins. Dave Sabray, welcome. West Virginia Explorer Magazine turns 24 this year. How are you celebrating? By working harder, <laughs> by trying to do more work to make sure it goes on another 24 years. Seriously. How would you categorize your online publication, West Virginia Explorer Magazine? Travel guide, sightseeing advisor? Yes and yes. Um, 24 years ago, when I started this, <clears throat> my mission was as a, as a nerd, um, I wanted to be able to, well, I was already a journalist and I had already been a ma publisher of, of physical magazines, but I realized that the internet was going to allow me or whomever to uh, interpret the state at a rather high rate of speed. And we needed interpretation. The state at the time didn't have the means to do it. And, and we were really one of the first West Virginia companies publishing online what i'm saying here is I, I i saw this this that we had this ability to publish information on west virginia and that we could do it in a journalistic way i had already been a magazine publisher so it was just a matter now at this point of, of, of figuring out how to use this new medium and so you know now i see it as a compendium of uh, articles on West Virginia, but it's really a vehicle for the promotion of West Virginia. Now, as a journalist, 
I like to be factual. I like to be uh, independent or, you know, not influenced in the interviews. I don't like to be censored. I, all of those journalistic things. Yet at the same time, I, I realize that I, and I accept that we are promoters of, of West Virginia, the, of the mystique of West Virginia, which is something that's essential for me. I, I mean, it was the mystique of West Virginia that drew me back to West Virginia. How have you kept West Virginia Explorer magazine alive and relevant for 24 years? I think that the relevance was always there in terms of people being interested in these things about West Virginia and this mystique that I talked about, where this old chimney is and what this rock formation was high above the town was named, that sort of thing. And so the real tests through the years have been how to not so much keep it relevant, but to how to deal with the technology. When we started 24 years ago, there, Google was just getting started. It, uh, we were using search engines like AltaVista and AOL, and uh, there, Google was just a, a new thing out, and there was no Facebook, and there was no social media. So over time, I've, we've gone from being a travel guide, which is what we were at first, lists of campgrounds to go to, where they were located, lists of stores, lists of parks, and uh, eventually some of that market was taken over by Wikipedia. Wikipedia produces, well, Wikipedia started to take over the market for things like all of our information on different towns and counties and parks. There's a Wikipedia ad for all of that that did not exist before, that wasn't in existence when we started. So Wikipedia took a huge chunk of our market. Uh, it's hard to keep your head above water with Wiki and its massive network. Um, certainly hotel reservations, which we made money off at one time, uh, you know, VRBO, Travelocity, all of the we we saw competition there so over time i've had to think about how to make west virginia explore something that other that can't be replicated and where i found that was in uh, writing journalistic articles that in a magazine sort of format um, that's something humans can do that that i'm convinced ai cannot do cannot do well can maybe do average because the ai uh, artificial intelligence is based on a mass of information that's pretty average information. And it takes uh, writers who are above average to write above average information. And I don't think AI is going to get there anytime soon. Your online publication doesn't have a paywall. So everything is ad-supported? As free as can be. Yes, anybody can read anything all the time. And that's what our advertisers like. And that's why we have 10,000 readers a day, more than on average. So, you know, certainly our advertisers are happy because we create a format in which uh, people can find the information. I mean, the pages rank well. So people might be looking for information, say, on the uh, uh, Cherry River. And... If we have a high-ranking page on that, they end up finding advertisers such as the Summers County Convention and Visitors Bureau or the Greenbrier or the Braxton or the Putnam County. These Convention and Visitors Bureaus, who are among our largest advertisers, um, are able to funnel people in uh, through 
through us. I, one of our most recent ads is a beautiful, stunning ad that's just a picture of the uh, Sandstone Falls. And I can see that a lot of people are clicking on it because a lot of people are reading our articles and they see Sandstone Falls and think, what in the world is that? To go back, much of our audience is from outside the state. So Who are the big states that are reading your articles? Uh, Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia. Uh, Southern New York, New York City, Pittsburgh, Columbus, uh, Atlanta is significant, Charlottesville, Richmond. You know, some of these are people who I believe once lived in West Virginia and would like to move back. Uh, some of them are people who were just from West Virginia. This is where granddad lived. And so they're they're finding this information there. Some of them are people who just, again, it's the mystique of West Virginia. What is this land, this mountain land beyond the, 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 the Blue Ridge, which is, I think, what a lot of Washingtonians think, this land beyond the Blue Ridge. And certainly in Columbus, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, what is this land beyond the Ohio River? And they discovered much of it during COVID when they were forced to not be able to go to ball games with the kids. They'd hop in the car and they'd drive, and they discovered West Virginia in the meantime. How do you handle your duties as publisher and editor-in-chief of West Virginia Explorer magazine on top of being a realtor and a PR person? Do you have a life? We still don't know. Uh, how I handle that. I, I do have a, a life, uh, but it's very restricted right now. Um, there are going to be ways that I'm, I'm sure that I'll find to be able to to manage. I was just in this discussion a few minutes ago with a friend who was basically saying, I never hear from you. And I'm like, well, unfortunately, um, nobody else is because you know, real estate, the real estate market in West Virginia is booming, depending on where you are. But certainly, I'm working mainly in southern West Virginia, often around uh, areas like the New River Gorge National River, where there's a, a demand for, for property. But all over the state, there's people looking at, at moving in here. And it's a dovetail, because it's an intersection, my realty work and my the the magazine because it's both about it's about tourism it's it's about permanent tourism which is a, a phrase that was bannered around a long time ago I first heard it maybe twenty years ago and it's about you know when I go on vacation like if I go to Hilton Head I'm always dreaming about how can I make it work to move to Hilton Head and so many people feel that about West Virginia they're like, how can I make it work? What can I do to move to West Virginia? There are people who who do think that we're a vacation wonderland. Back to the answer to your question, I, I it, it is right now a time in which I um, I'm having to work extreme hours, but and and it is tiring, and I do have to take little mini breaks when I can make them. But uh, but the two the two jobs work together. So, you know, the thing about journalism, it's not really about me. It's about somebody else. And I can quote somebody else and I can say, hey, um, what do you think of this information that was just released on the New River Gorge National River? In fact, I did that story yesterday. It was found to be a, a, a stupendous park when it comes to uh, 
scenic overlooks. And so I called the National Park Service and I said, well, can you give me a quote on how you guys feel about that? And I was able to crank out the story. But it was it about me, it would have taken, you know, for forever. Back to the New River Gorge National Park and Preserve. Mm-hmm. It's a whitewater rafters paradise. Whitewater rafting is a favorite pastime of West Virginia tourists and many West Virginians. But is New River Gorge the best place for whitewater rafting in terms of thrills and price? Yeah. I, well, yeah, I would say so. The New River Gorge is to some extent the most... Um, uh, you know, it's really built for accessibility. Let me back up and say this. The Potomac and the Shenandoah Rivers in the eastern panhandle are extremely close to the uh, to Washington, D.C. And so we can reach a lot of people there. The rapids aren't as rapid. The, 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 they're not as high. They're not as intense, usually speaking. Um, but certainly the, the New River is. And there's so many raft guide companies there as opposed to some of the other rivers that, you know, it's just, it is the Mecca. It's the Mecca for West Virginia whitewater rafting and for, I'd say, a lot of whitewater rafting in the eastern U.S. It's, 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 a, it's a big destination. Plus, there's the ancillary it's really not ancillary. It's just not as well known. But the Gauley River right there, which um, in a lot of ways matches the new. It's not quite a twin of it, but it's it's the, there's a lot of similarity. Except then in October when the waters upstream at Summersville Lake are unleashed, and the in the drawdown of the lake for its winter pool, and suddenly the uh, the the Gauley becomes this raging river in which rafters from all over the world come during that period in in late september october when the when the golly is raging so you know i do recommend the new river in that sense then there's also the the cheat river up near morgantown and it's it's a rafting river as well uh, particularly in spring but it runs it gets dry and shallow by by summer so the new river which is a, a dam fed river it's a huge you know it's, it's it's part of a it's a healthy river and it keeps flowing all year round so that's another reason that the new is a good destination for that what other features make new river gorge national park and preserve a great place to visit well you know i i do want to add that the uh it's not for everyone but the rock climbing there I mean, it's right up there with Yosemite, uh, w- one of the top 10 rock climbing destinations in the whole of North America is the New River Gorge and the associated sandstone cliffs around the, the northern part of the gorge. Uh, so climbing is a huge thing here. It's, you know, tens of thousands of people come to climb annually. And many rock climbers are moving now because of uh, the, the, the broadband access and remote work are moving into the communities around the gorge in, in far greater numbers. But I'll back up to, I was saying earlier that I had just edited an article that was talking about the National Park having so many different opportunities uh, to do things. So you've got hiking, which is, you know, the, 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 the uh, endless wall trail 
uh, up near Fayetteville along the, the, the new, the rim, the cliff line of the new river gorge is, uh, is one of the most popular or no, is the most popular hiking trail in national parks in the United States. According to USA Today, they had done a ranking and did the poll, and, and it was found that. But there's plenty more hiking to be done throughout the whole of the region, as well as the national park. Uh, biking is coming up. Um, it's a big thing to do. Gravel biking on some of the gravel roads, very popular. And then you have off-road biking in certain areas on certain trails and paths, very big. And the opportunities to do this is in the New River Gorge region are also why the uh, Boy Scouts opened up their jamboree site, the Bechtel Summit. Uh, on the gorge because of these these opportunities for outdoor recreation my my hope now that tourism is really taken off because of the uh, declaration of the new river gorge as, as a national park two years ago that uh, that we see many ancillary types of tourism coming in like you know some things you would typically see near other national parks like the Smokies. I'm not advocating a Gatlinburg, but it's certainly possible. Um, we have, you know, we are central to the, the Smokies is the most visited national park in the United States. And one of the reasons is because it's central to the this massive population. More than half of the population in the U.S. is a within you know a day's drive two days drive of the new river gorge um so i i expect that we're going to see that kind of growth over time hopefully a little bit more controlled but my i'm i'm hoping that we we may see an amusement park here at least an amusement park um that'd be uh, awesome yeah, yeah it would and I, and i do believe it won't be too long how does New River Gorge mountain climbing stack up to the mountain climbing at Seneca Rocks? Well, I would say fav favorably. Again, the New River Gorge climbing is favorable because it um, there's a lot of cliff. And there's a lot of cliff that's publicly accessible. And that have the, the, the rocks that make up those cliffs uh, tend to have uh, vertical cracks in them, and which makes it easier to, to, to climb in some cases. Because in some, what we're doing in some cases, you're climbing a sort of a vertical crack. And you, you, as you're like going up a crack, you put your hand in and then you make a fist. And that fist holds you in place, and then you then you put your next fist in above it and make a fist, and it holds you in place, and you can climb up a vertical crack that way. So the the river, the the the, the Nuttall sandstone, which is the cliff line of the New River Gorge, and also outcrops along Summersville Lake, importantly, and along the Gauley River. Uh, this 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 sandstone is 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 just massive, and now. Compared to Seneca Rocks, another chief climbing area in the state, um, the the only problem with Seneca is that there's just not as many climbs. But it was a lot of the climbers at Seneca who discovered the New River Gorge. So there are strong ties between the climbing communities uh, in, in both areas. In your April 5th article on ghost towns and trout fishing, 
You wrote about raw sewage fouling fish in the coal fields. How prevalent of a problem is this type of water stream contamination in West Virginia? Well, it's a problem that is uh, ending slowly. It's taking a while. But, um, you know, as the population in the coal fields, well, well, let's talk about the coal fields more more quickly, I think, because there you had a situation in, in McDowell County where you had nearly 100,000 people in its population in 1950. And now you have about 10,000, a little more perhaps. So 90,000 to 10,000, uh, you know, that drop has left behind. Um, but there were all these towns there. And there were all these people there, and there was all this sewage that was going untreated into the streams. As our the population of West Virginia has declined significantly because of the decline in mining employment, uh, these towns have uh, some of them have just disappeared. Certainly in the New River Gorge, they're just their whole towns are just gone. In southern West Virginia, in the coal fields of the southwestern state. Like in McDowell County, you still have um, you still have a population that is in some areas straight piping. In a lot of areas, admittedly, is straight piping into the into the streams. But because of the decline in population, there's less of that over time. So the streams are healing. I mean, when we talk about pollution in West Virginia waters, you know, the Ohio is certainly a concern because, but, you know, it's got all that industrialism coming out of the state of Ohio, the state of PA, you know, the Potomac River, that drainage has a lot of um, uh, runoff from agricultural uh, um, you know, but, but development in the uh, in the, the the chicken farming and the turkey farming in there, big big farm country. Uh, but in the southern southwestern part of the state, in the coal fields, you actually do see you know because of the decline in population there, you we we still don't have the sewage infrastructure in place. It is being put into place. The Coal River is an example of a river flowing out of there where um, my friend Bill Curry with the Coal River um, Foundation has managed to work with people to clean up and heal the river. He has a, a saying I like to use that, you know, like Mama said, uh, company's coming. We got to get this place cleaned up. And a lot of people in the Coal River Valley, you know, thanks to his that approach have, you know, said we we want this for ourselves we want to client you know clean this river so there's been a lot of action that was a very polluted river and they put in package plants uh there's you know the community is getting you know members have gotten together and they go out and they clean the streams what's the best spot or county for deer hunting in west virginia you know you'd maybe have a specific really... location yeah, you have to ask a deer hunter, you know, and they all have their, I, I know that the, the, the southern mountain counties tend to produce a lot of deer. I'd, I'd really have to, one thing I can tell you is that as I drive around, I see a lot of deer in the Ohio Valley region. Um, of course, as anybody drives around, they're going to see a lot of deer in the northwestern part of the state. 
So if you're anywhere going up 79 or 77 from Charleston uh, towards the Ohio Valley or the, the, the Monongahela Valley, you're going to see a lot of deer. But you see that all over the state. I mean, we just have plenty of deer. But where the biggest, baddest deer are, that's I'm, I'm sure there are certain hunters who, who know what they know about you know places to go to to catch the to catch to take the biggest deer what's the best place to go trout fishing in the state mm, well i like to go trout fishing in the uh on the uh, cranberry river uh, in the williams river they're just you know beautiful mountain streams cold water fisheries that just I mean, even if you were to catch nothing, they're just epically beautiful. In your 2021 article, you wrote about UFO sightings in Mount Hope, which is part of the New River Gorge National Park and Preserve in 1950. Then Mount Hope Mayor Pat Garrett witnessed the UFO. Are people still reporting UFO sightings in the vicinity? Not that I have seen. However the that area where the bechtel summit is where the new boy scouts uh, camp is where uh, which had one time been known in a kind of an infamous way as the garden ground i mean it's just a huge section of of woodlands that that is is the size of the city of beckley to the south of it um people have always had um I think uh, uh, locally had uh, felt that the area was kind of mysterious, and I have not come up on any more. This this seemed like a one-off sighting. You know, I have heard legends of this, I guess, a Bigfoot-type creature called the the Garden Grounds Monster that prowls the the woodlands. And it's the you know the the, the Boy Scout camp itself is 15 squares mi square miles much of which is just wilderness but uh yeah i'm not aware of any more of any more reports but i think it is significant that it was the mayor of the town that had reported that and that he had felt the need to uh build a time capsule and a monument to the event back to ufos let's talk about the ufos and men in black sightings in point pleasant that preceded the first sightings of the mothman by a couple of months in 1966. In Donnie Sergeant Jr. and Jeff Wamsley's book, Mothman, The Facts Behind the Legend, Mothman witness Linda Scarberry claimed to have had numerous run-ins with the winged cryptid. She theorized Mothman was a diversion from the UFO sightings and the presence of the men in black in Point Pleasant. Have you spoken to anyone that witnessed the Mothman in 66? And, and no, I... I I, I've never. I, I have not. I've been. Fa I would be fascinated to do so. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in the in in that community, uh, but sometimes my discussions with them get more into the the, the weeds of people saying. Um, it's uh, some locals saying, you know, well, you know, we we feel like people are making fun of us because of this Mothman thing, and. I would say to them, and I do, you know, a lot of other towns would love to have a monster. I mean, would love to have a beast to draw people to their town because it really does. And I think that the Mothman 
and I'll come back to that with the men in black, but I think that one of the, the Mothman to some extent is like the atomic age John Henry. Now, that's maybe a little bit of a stretch, but the thing is John Henry, this, the legend of John Henry is popular because it was about the, you know, it was um, John Henry was fighting the fighting industry. And, uh, you know, and battled against it and lost. But he was a, so he was a hero in that sense. And I think that uh, there's also a legend of Big John, the, the miner who uh, rescued other miners from the mine and then the mine collapsed on him. And that, uh, the, you know, those there, there's another example of a folk hero in the case of Mothman. Here you have a folk hero that in, in some ways you know, and I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about the legend as folklore. You know, the um, is popular because in some ways it. You know, it, it's things were you know were, were really progressing in the United States. This was the atomic age, and it was the age of space creatures, and it was the age of 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 technology advancing in a you know in a fearsome way, which may be true no matter what age we live in but at the time you had you know it was somewhat time after this the 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 silver bridge disaster which was of course pulled into the story there was the um the 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 battle of point pleasant and and that tragedy and that that bloodshed uh so to an extent this mothman who appears to be a beneficent monster you know, it's not terrorizing, uh, but um, in some ways may represent some sort of hope against the ever overwhelming continued uh, flood of technology. And really, to some extent, it, it st started there. You know, it's interesting that the idea of the men in black are rolled into this. And I don't know which is true and which is legend here, but I can say, you know, in terms of the lore involved in this, the 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 men in black also represent the 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 big guns, the, the you know, the government, the secret um forces behind this against which uh, Mothman, if I'm correct, is is kind of still remains the hero. And the men in black tend to be this, you know, people trying to quiet the the truth. So it's a very interesting conversation to have. Um, and like the men in black the, and Mothman, you know, this stuff has gone worldwide. You know, There's been some recent legends. sightings of Mothman in um, Chicago at O'Hare Airport. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah, within the past few years. It's creepy. I mean, I'm not saying I believe it, but it's just, it's something to think about. I mean, I, obviously, if it, if it was an actual, I guess, species of the Mothman race. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's the original Mothman. I'm sure the original Mothman is dead and gone by now. But um, if such a thing existed, but it's just something to think about, especially with the government, the Pentagon releasing the uh, the video a few years ago of uh, mm -hmm. the Tic UFO. You don't know what to believe now. Mothman does seem interdimensional to me. I mean, it doesn't seem to fit um, its description with anything that is of this, of, of our world at this time. 
so it, it, again in my belief system about you know if this uh this beast beasts i i still believe it is one single beast uh is does continue to haunt west virginia and other areas you know it could be you know i i, I again it just doesn't seem to line up with any sort of other creature that we've that we've ever known where's the bulk of our state's ufo sightings happening at i have been told that the bulk of them happen in the central part of the state which to some extent uh makes some sense because they uh are you know you're you're out of the way of the cities it would be hard to see a a, a ufo a flying saucer any sort of other craft like that with all the 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 light pollution in the skies certainly and with all the other everything else flying around over the cities you know and why i you know why that remote area like for instance central west virginia where you uh where there was the tale of the braxton county monster and it's being a, a landed uh, spacecraft, a, a wrecked spacecraft. But I, I think also, you know, um, Carl Sagan, the uh, astronomer, uh, helped build and site the, the site for uh, the National Radio Astronomy Observatory, which is observing observing something far beyond, you know, what's happening here on the planet. But it is interesting to me that such a thing would be because of the low, you know, low, you know, the mountains being able to block the the uh, radio frequencies coming out of the cities to the to every other direction. You know, it's it's, it's it, that fascinates me that it is located here and that there have been seemingly so many sightings, but they do seem to me to be uh, mostly over central West Virginia from really kind of a band goes from Morgantown to Bluefield in the south uh, and over towards Huntington and up around towards Parkersburg. You must be psychic because my next question was about the Braxton County Monster. Uh-huh, yeah. In 1952 in Flatwoods, a UFO and humanoid was spotted. The humanoid was said to be 10 feet tall, round red face, and a pungent odor. Do you got any details about that? You've ever spoken to anybody that witnessed the so-called? I have been, I, I am in touch with somebody who uh, is a witness now. I've not been able to interview them yet. And I can't speak to really that that matter. Um, you know, I can say that that is a fascinating tale on several levels. And, you know, I think one of it is because we know where this thing occurred you know, it's on private property, so I can't give away where it's located. Uh, it is between, well, it's it's in Flatwoods, uh, more towards Sutton, but still within the, in the Flatwoods area. And if people get a chance, I'm going to go ahead and plug the Flatwoods Monster Museum there at the uh, at Sutton, and the Bigfoot Museum at Sutton, and the haunted. Heyman House at Sutton. It's interesting <laughs> that Sutton has so many things going on that, that are, you know, tied to this realm. I don't know why. It is at the center of the state, but, you know, nearly at the very center of the state. I think it's, which is, I think the geographic center of the state is 16 miles from Sutton to the south. But 
But um, what I can say about the the the, the monster is it it too really has captured um, the uh, you know uh, the, the the minds of many uh, Americans. Still, also a space age creature. So, but it's you know it, its legend may not yet be as broad as that of the Mothman, but I believe it's one of the. Uh, you know, it's certainly, I think, best, it's West Virginia's best known UFO scenario. Did you see James Fox's documentary about the Virginia-Brazil space alien incident called Moment of Contact? No, no, I, I don't know anything about that. It was released a few months ago. I saw it, and it made me think of the Braxton County monster because the uh, Virginia alien guy or girl, I don't know, um... Mm-hmm. But had a pungent, a pungent ammonia type odor, hmm. and the other alien from Flatwoods also had a pungent odor and was black and red. And that alien from that was found in Brazil was similar, not as big, not as tall, but just it just made me think of the Braxton County monster on your journeys. Have you ever come in contact with a Sasquatch? I will say this, that oddly, I I did one time see something that I still can't, doesn't make sense to me exactly what I saw. Um, Coincidentally, and now that you say this, this occurred uh, very near uh, the Boy Scout camp on what's called Mill Creek Road. I'm speaking about the big Tell Summit where they hold the Jamboree. This will actually be the fourth, or the, the, this will be every fourth year they hold a Jamboree uh, in the New River Gorge region, and this is that year. So there will be tens of thousands of people here. But back to the subject at hand, um, I was driving late at night, I'm going to say one o'clock in the morning, uh, from Mount Hope to uh, Stanford, West Virginia. Uh, just north of Beckley, and which is again a big area where there's just nothing, no, no homesteads, no, no one lives. It's just open woodlands, and uh, and I caught out of the corner of my eye, out of the corner of my my light on my car, my headlight, uh, I saw something go into the woods, and it stalked into the woods it it was tall it was large it was it was larger than a it, it appeared to be larger than a human um maybe uh, again it just didn't make sense to me so when i saw it i mean i wasn't like spooked out it, when i saw it because it took me a few minutes to register or seconds to, to register what i had seen and i still have no description handy it's Maybe appeared to be appeared to be furry. Again, it's night and things are gray and there there's not a lot of color, you know, even in a headlight. So what this thing was, I, I I'll never understand. I mean, it was, you know, a bear doesn't move like a human. This thing moved in a humanoid fashion, bipedal. Um, you know, it wasn't a deer. It wasn't a. I've seen a mountain lion. I'm one of a few. Uh, people who have seen a mountain lion in the state, but they saw it with somebody else in the vehicle with me. Usually the reports are of single people seeing it while they're, they're alone and reporting them. But I saw this and 
I don't know what to do with that information. I because I'm not sure of what I saw. I believe that I saw what I saw. Um, I've never had a habit of seeing things that I can't explain. Uh, but this is something I saw, and I saw it briefly, and then it was gone. Wow. What are the five most unique tourist attractions you visited in West Virginia? I think Harper's Ferry is one. It's a very large tourist attraction. Uh, it is a national park, a national historical park, but you can get uh, a really good immersion into the history of that federal, um, that, that, that er of early America. Um, right there in one place where the two rivers come together. Plus, you have the Appalachian Trail coming through, so you have a lot of, you know, earthy people who are, you know, hikers, um, backpackers. Uh, you also have rafters and kayakers on the, the Potomac and the Shenandoah Rivers and anglers. It's just it's a very, really energetic place for people who like cultural and natural history. And there's some rock climbing there as well. Well, repelling, less, but people on the rocks enjoying the, the daredevils. I would say, too, that uh, I, the New River Gorge itself is a must-see place, especially the northern part where you can uh, get a good look at the New River Gorge Bridge or follow the, if you're in a car, the parkway uh, that wanders beneath the bridge and comes up in Fayetteville. That's a, that, that's a good time for anybody who, maybe you're not energetic enough to go out hiking, uh, but you don't have to. You can drive your car under this on this parkway beneath the bridge. So that's a, a recommended thing for me. Um, you know, I have been to both the two haunted places in the in West Virginia uh, that are the uh, Trans Allegheny Asylum at Weston and the Moundsville Penitentiary at Moundsville. And uh, they're both very interesting tours. Um, Certainly not just because of the hauntings, alleged hauntings, but because in both cases, in one case, you get a really good introspection into uh, the medical profession as regarded psychology, psychological patients uh, at, the, at the one facility at Weston, at the asylum, and then up at the penitentiary, you know, you've got the old Sparky, the the, the old electric chair there, and uh, more and more they're building on their 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 historical infrastructure. You know, make sure that the people who are on the tours get a good get a good view and introspection into what what occurred there. Um, the uh, you know, I think a lot of the the state parks. Um, I'll also say Seneca Rocks. I think of the, just looking at this blade of sandstone thrust high above the North Fork of the South Branch of the Potomac River. That's a fascinating thing to look at. And you can walk up and hike at the top. Uh, it's quite a laborious hike. Um, it'll take about a quarter to a half a day. But um, it's 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 a wonderful hike, and of course you can climb there if you're into climbing, and you can fish there on the river on the North Fork. Uh, the also Dolly Sods, it's uh, a fantastic landscape of uh, tundra and windswept pines. 
you can't go often in winter because uh, they close the road into the dolly sods because it's, you know, blizzards can come up and wreak havoc and leave people mired up there. So they, they do close the roads up. But throughout the rest of the year, it's a spectacular uh, Canadian-type climate. Um, how many have we got there? Let me do one more. Yeah, I think you're a four. Um, Okay, I'm going to recommend the Cranberry Glades and the Falls of Hills Creek. At, uh, and, and to some extent also Watoga State Park, which is right in there. This is in Pocahontas County on the National, on the, on the Highland Scenic Highway. And it is, uh, this highway leads to the, uh, the evergreen, the, the belt of, of spruce that are the trees that dominate the highest elevations in West Virginia. So kind of like at Dolly Sod, you're also in a tundra type of environment. And at Cranberry Glades, you'll have the chance to uh, witness some really interesting botanical plants that you'll find in few other places in the state. I might mention Cranesville Swamp, which is a small version of, of that up in Preston County, where the tamarack grows. It's the southern extent of tamarack is at Cranesville Swamp. But back south to the to the Cranberry Glades, um, you know, they've got a beautiful boardwalk through there. Also, as I mentioned right there, is the Falls of Hills Creek. And there are three sets of falls that... Um, have three observation areas in which uh, people can walk along and observe this this incredible cataract, uh, some of the highest falls in West Virginia, one after the other. Uh, and also, as I said there, you, you can ride the Highland Scenic Highway and look at views 40, 50 miles off towards the uh, towards the east over the valley of the Greenbrier River. I think those would be my my must must see go to places in West Virginia. I'd love to see cranberry glades. I've heard about all those carnivorous plants that are there that aren't yeah. grown anywhere else in the state. Mm -hmm. And it's like yeah. super peaty, like in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't touch is. this you can't touch this peat. Why hasn't anyone made a movie about Zona Heaster Shoe, the Greenbrier Ghost, and her husband's murder trial? That is a fascinating question. Why has no one done that? I think the right writer has not come along and discovered it yet because I think Zona's story is a quintessential story of domestic abuse and revenge. And that is a big social topic, as it should be right now. Um, you know, what what happens in this dynamic of a woman who gets into a, uh, a, a violent, controlling relationship? Um, the fact that there's a story that, you know, the, the here that, that is about that is, is fascinating to me. And I, and I do expect maybe that someday somebody, perhaps soon, someone who listens to this will come up with a screenplay for it. But it's certainly a story that captures the imagination. And I think that most 
or that many women who come across the story who have been through those sorts of relationships immediately recognize it for what it is, that sort of story of, of domestic abuse. I, I never, I admittedly never really had until I began to write about the story and that I realized that the horrors that she must have gone to certainly through before she was even killed by Ed Shue. Has any other court taken this, the testimony of someone who claimed to have witnessed a spirit? I'm not aware really, of, of yeah. it having happened before or since, perhaps before, but uh, I don't think such things would be admitted into and, and again, it was the testimony, but I think it was the veracity of Mrs. Shoes, but to some extent, the veracity of Mrs. Arizona's uh, mother's uh, story that caused eventually the, I, I'm not sure if it was the story of the ghost or if people actually who believed the, the story of the ghost, but certainly something in that testimony changed people's minds enough to think, let's check this out. There's reason enough to look back into this. It's a fascinating story. I read it when I was a tween. My uh, first grade teacher gave me the book, The Grand Bar Ghost and Other Tales, and I thought it was awesome. Which West Virginia city has the best art galleries? I'm going to vote on it being morgantown has a lot of art by virtue of the fact that it has the university and so the university town it attracts artists there are galleries there's the university's own galleries and then there's just a, a lot of creativity that comes out of the town so i'm going to say that that if you're if you're looking for art in gallery form um, institutionally and, and uh, institutional art, like we'll say at the Creative Arts Center or in galleries in the downtown, you're going to find uh, that that'll be a strong, that that's a strong artistic uh, gallery spot. Also, the um, certainly Charleston has a lot of art um, going on especially you know in, in in galleries and especially in appalachian art there's a lot of stuff coming out that's not high culture art but is um appalachian art and i think that's important because i think that appalachian art will continue to be elevated i think that when i was young i'm 57 now and people spoke about appalachia people you know thought of in my generation of poverty, of the uh, desolate coal camp areas, and uh, now Appalachia is thought of by, I, I think, your generation, and let me know if this is true, as um, people think about freedom and wilderness and uh, the Appalachian Trail. What, what is your thought on that? I kind of think of the movie wrong turn and the wild mm -hmm. wonderful whites of west virginia because uh -huh. that's what people know us for and they're constantly shoving those references down our throats here and it's like that's not us as a whole i mean right. that that does exist i'm sure you know I, i'm not i'm not the cannibalism and stuff but you know 
just the drug the drug epidemic that was portrayed in the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia. That's completely real and it's completely happening. Um, but that's that doc. I think that spoke volumes about the state of Appalachia, especially in West Virginia. I mean, as comical as that doc was, and it was laugh out loud. <laughs> but that's as horrible as it is. It represented us. Am I as a young person? That's how I mean. I, that's how I saw West Virginia growing up, seeing silly ass people drunk on drugs or uh, something. Yeah, you know, it, oh, it's I, a lot I, of people's I, realities. Yeah, it, you know, it, it is true, and it's not necessarily as much, much as I am a native West Virginian. It tends to be uh, something on the edge of my reality. I just uh, I'm I'm around. Thank goodness. Uh, such um blessed to be around so many positive people and a lot of intelligent people but so there is that part of west virginia too and um going back to some of the art discussion of the art communities um you know i think that 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 huntington you know it's certainly its gallery of art is stupendous and wheeling wheeling has a lot of of um high art the stifle art gallery there um there's a, there's a lot of high culture art there again the the art museum at uh huntington the huntington gallery of art has some stupendous high culture art pieces but uh, again appalachian art is um is, is is coming up close behind i mean it's it's just that there's a lot of it being produced part of it's because of tourism in places like fayetteville you see a lot of appalachian cultural sorts of, of trinkets you know be it art made of river glass um and uh different natural threads, you know, paintings that are of Appalachian native uh, plant life. Um, this kind of art is being done there. Uh, also, I might mention with the Appalachian art, uh, Davis and Thomas, West Virginia, which like the New River Gorge area at Fayetteville is a big tourism area. Um, the Canaan Valley there, and certainly out in the eastern panhandle in places like Shepherdstown and uh, uh, Charlestown, some of the more gentrified areas, and around Harper's Ferry, you're you're seeing more Appalachian art on the more market because there's there there are more tourists, and for art to really succeed, you do need money. Have you been to Helvetia? Yes. Okay, that's the next question. German Swiss town Helvetia has a population of about 60. That's what I've read so far. I'm sure it's changed. It's known for the Hoot restaurant. Am I pronouncing that right? I think I think that's pronounced correctly. The Hoot restaurant, which serves authentic Swiss cuisine. How does this Swiss food stack up to other West Virginia mom and pop restaurants in the area, in your opinion? You know, it is interesting in that it is to some extent a mom and pop restaurant. I mean, it, it, I had never thought about it that way. Um, oh, it stacks up. I mean, it's certainly one of the most unique cuisine experiences in the state. Um, I am very interested in 
West Virginia cuisine in its in all its forms. And I'm I'm glad you brought up this this traditional Swiss uh, Swiss cuisine. Uh, but um, and it's interesting that it exists. Um, in a, but in the same sense, I'm interested that uh, in the northern panhandle of West Virginia, where you had 11 different ethnic groups, the Greeks, Serbs, Poles, Czechs, uh, Italians, the, you do not have the, you do not have restaurants except for the Italians. You, you don't have restaurants that that, that, that that carry on that ethnicity. I'm hoping that as more people do move to West Virginia and as tourism grows, that 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 some people in northern West Virginia began to, you know, open restaurants that, that serve those cultural foods because I think they would be quite yummy. Uh, certainly also it interests me the phenomenon of the pepperoni roll, which in southern West Virginia we didn't have pepperoni rolls. That that was very much a Monongahela Valley and northern Ohio Valley. I think as far as I know, and it was surprised when I was talking to a friend in Marion County who said, well, it wasn't a really big thing up here, except, you know, we did have pepperoni roll day in the schools. And I was like, what, how did that happen? We never had anything in, in the Beckley area like pepperoni rolls, but that wasn't, you know, that though we have Italian culture down here, that pepperoni rolls did not translate but did not somehow make it into southern West Virginia. And of course, now their own, you know, the whole state is associated to some extent with. Well, your magazine wrote about ramp dinners. What's your favorite ramp dish? Everything. Um, I like, I will eat ramps raw. I, I do like ramps in a, like a wilted ramp <laughs> salad with vinegar. Um, I like um all manner of and of course i like well i like stewed ramps and i like stewed ramps in that typical appalachian you know serving of you know with the ham and and uh, the eggs and uh potatoes and just all that that whole banquet of cuisine that goes along with the ramp feeds but um i've not yet had the ramparoni rolls uh, but I'm looking forward to eating them ramps. And I think that ramp festivals are really going gangbusters. I mean, I know they are. We run the biggest ramp page that exists on the internet for West Virginia. And every year we get more and more traffic and the people who have their ramp festivals and feeds listed with us are, you know, very thankful. But one of the things I've had to stress for them to, to them, and they do understand this now is ramp festival ramp festival hosts have to get their information out earlier in the year like in january and february because by february we're getting inquiries about the ramp feeds which don't get started till really the end of march so but people are already planning vacations to west virginia based on where these ramp festivals are, are being hosted so I think that gradually the, uh, whereas a few years ago, I was worried about ramp feeds being on the decline because many of the older folks who were, you know, ran the ramp festival at the church, um, 
ramp festivals and ramp feasts being fundraisers for so many places they they no longer had they were aging out and the energy was going and the, the churches were going somewhat in west virginia we have unique culinary taste like you said um we have the pepperoni roll the chili slaw dog molly moochers the morals and ramps mm. what sets west virginia cuisine apart from new york and california's well i i think it really is the uh it really is that that influx of of mountain culture i think that's the the morels the skunk cabbage which isn't that big a big thing but you can't eat it um the uh the the ramps fungus you know the the mushrooms um these things that are harvested here are you know, are central to the essence of West Virginia culture as far as the central mountain culture goes. David, you're a historian. Do you feel John Sayles' Mate One painted an accurate picture of the Mate One massacre and the events that led up to the Battle of Blair Mountain? I'm very thankful that that movie was produced uh, because it underscored some of the real essential history of west virginia i don't know entirely that sales got it right one scene that i do like that um a friend of mine had worked on with sales is uh there's this encampment of miners um and who are organizing and they've had to move into a tent city during this unionization and there's some sort of conflict with the bald and felt agents going on with the, the the locals in this the miners and this old man comes down out of the hills big old beard and he's just and he's you know and he says in this thick western union accent you know he he admi- i'm not going to attempt to say, do it but he says you know what what are you all doing you're you're stirring up stuff you're shooting your guns why can't you just be quiet and I think that's that was that was interesting. My friend Neil Clark, who played the part of the mountain man, who's long since passed, bless his heart, but he, uh, another great historian of late, he determined to 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 put this part in there with sales to represent that there were these mountain people who still lived in West Virginia, who were the mountaineers, who. Uh, fiercely union loyal who um did not abide by this mining stuff that was erupting at the time so that's that is a bit of character of west virginia history that i like that they would introduce the idea that there was a mountain culture that was here before the mining culture in the coal fields was the baldwin felt's detective agency worse in real life depicted in the film you know it's a dramatization and people don't always act like uh, movie characters uh, and there were certainly reasons i mean conflict and death are a part of our world and it's hard for me to say uh, you know i do know some of the descendants of both of the families on the baldwins and the felts and uh and they seem to be 
uh, they don't seem to take up a defensive position when they're talking about their 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 ancestors uh, in, in the company. I mean, it was it was pretty well known that you know they represented, we'll say, the industrial forces. So, um, you know, a lot of the, the there's there's certainly a lot of truth to the way that happened. I always do, though, attempt to see um, both sides of a, a situation like that in which, you know, you, you, you have large market forces that are ha happening that, that sweep people away. And so what I might say about the, the, uh, the, the entire incident is there was bloodshed and there was violence. And people would be and were being killed, shot and killed, dynamited. Um, I think about the bull moose, bull moose special, this uh, train that was run through uh, the lower Pink Creek uh, that had guns on it. And they just drove this train loaded with guns through the town, just, you know, shooting up the whole town and uh you know that was certainly the the industrialists who, who were doing that and and there was shooting back and forth but i think that the the film overall is is a worthwhile film to watch to see and understand somewhat of uh, you know it's, it's, I think it's the best thing that we've produced before, since then that's been a dramatization trout pond in hardy county is the only natural lake in west virginia it's slowly but surely drying up. Is this climate change in action or the limestone sinkhole nature of the lake? I think that is the limestone sinkhole nature of the lake. Um, it's, uh, you know, I've been to Trout Ponds and I hate it. It's so disappointing because you, as a West Virginian, you hear the story of Trout Pond and you, when you finally get there, you see that there is a damp spot in a big sinkhole and i do wish there was a way for them to uh to, to rescue it because i i think that it is you know interesting that the you know that it is our only natural lake last august drunk truck driver dennis eugene west wrecked his truck on the west virginia turnpike carrying over twelve thousand gallons of amine solution impogen 3,000 gallons of impogen found its way into Paint Creek as a result. The spill killed 30,000 fish and forced residents that live along Paint Creek with wells to turn to bottled water. Paint Creek is a popular fishing spot. Is there any word as to when Paint Creek will get remediated and fishing there can resume? Well... Fishing on the catch and release trout stream portion above Skidder Creek was never encumbered. So you can fish the upper waters of the creek for quite a ways. Uh, and, but downstream, as I understand it, was a massive kill. And it, and, it, and it happened swiftly. I have not heard, frankly, of any plans to remediate. With the West Virginia legislature relaxing water quality regulations, do you think tourism is going to suffer in the near future? I think that if tourism begins to suffer, there there's a there's a constant more constant battle now between tourism as an employer and 
uh, manufacturing as an employer. And with all these new people moving to West Virginia who are work from home people, uh, who, who are able to work remotely and they are swelling, uh, they're, they're, they're moving here in droves. I mean, we've got hundreds and hundreds more people living here who are from outside areas now. And they are, for instance, in the New River Gorge area, they are very aware of that they want to keep things au natural. They, they, they want to protect the waterways. So I think that eventually, no matter what might be happening now, over the next decade, there's going to be a real... Uh, swing in the state politically towards uh, protecting our our waterways, and that the DEP will be more under uh, I, I, under control of of residents of the state as opposed to um, outside industrial interests. And what I'm really saying there is that uh, you know West Virginia's. Um, Many people are moving to West Virginia, and they want to see their investment protected. And they vote, and they're and they're intelligent generally, and they have money, and they're going to be participating in uh, in the growth of West Virginia. They're moving here more and more, and so no matter what's happening right now, I believe that the DEPs. Uh, that those people that we vote into office are going to be more responsive to uh, to the state's new and current but new residents. So I think politically, there's going to be a change coming. I hope because in the past, enforcement of environmental regulations have been a joke with them. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I asked my fans on Facebook to submit questions to you. Mm -hmm. I got one good question from Jana Alicia O'Dell. What are some of the lesser known places in Kanawha County for families to visit? Oh, you know, I did see her. That was a great question. And I'm glad she asked it because Kanawha County is, uh, that's where a good bit of our population is. You know, one of the places I find most fascinating or there are several there are several mounds of course we know in in the charleston area there's the there's the the big mound in south charleston but there's also a flat top mound along uh the side of spring hill cemetery in south charleston and then you have the shawnee mound over in uh over at shawnee park so you know there are opportunities to see those things which which i enjoy and i think is great places to take kids so they can know that hey there was a civilization that lived in west virginia a thousand years before we got here so uh, also i think that the the wine cellar park at dunbar is a fascinating relic of, of of the past it's a nice little park it's got a nice trail it has a nice pond it has some a fish there game. yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah me too and um but the i think it's interesting again that this is symbolic of a period of time when west virginia was part of one of the largest wine growing areas in the United States, it was here in West Virginia in the Ohio Valley, and we just had uh, great weather for wine growing. However, everybody was growing, I believe there were Concord grapes, and there was a blight that came through and st st 
fungus and struck the grape grape crops and killed it all. And by the time we could restore those, however, the um, the the railroads had reached the Napa Valley in the west, and so West Virginia never really had a chance to recover uh, its grape, its vintnering industry. Though we do have a number of good vineyards, so so I like that a lot. That's one of my favorite places in in Kanawha County. Um, I mind also, uh, of course, recommend Shawnee or not Shawnee Park, uh, the Coonskin Park. They have some nice trails there. I wish I wish Kanawha County had more. Oh, also the um, the park at Upper Falls, a tornado. Um, that, that's a nice facility that I, I quite like on the Coal River. Uh, they've done a really good job of building a, a park there. Whether you're a hiker, a biker, a hunter, a rock climber, a whitewater rafter, or a Bigfoot enthusiast, there's something for everyone to get into in West Virginia. Check out West Virginia Explorer magazine at www.wvexplorer.com for popular Mountain State tourist attractions and details on upcoming fairs, festivals, and other events. I want to thank my special guest, Davis Bray, for taking listeners on a tour of West Virginia. There's never a shortage of things to do here. Just don't break down in the middle of nowhere. And Brad Campbell's might have you for dinner. Just kidding. For Mothman the Bible Belt podcast outlet updates, guest bios, episode breakdowns, and links to social media, check us out on the web at www.mothmaninthebiblebelt.com. Thanks for listening.